Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Am I on? Can you hear me? Hello. Is that on? Yeah, as long as you can hear me, that's fine. Um, how is everyone? Good. Um, I, where's Phil? Phil. Um, there's an expectation on this meeting um, because of the nature of this day that it's going to be upbeat. I'm going to try and be super upbeat um, because remember Phil was like, look, to the worship team, we don't want any like morbid songs. This is Resurrection Sunday. This isn't Good Friday where, you know, the focus is on the cross. The, the tomb is empty. Let's focus on that. So I'm going to be upbeat and I'm going to need a few like whoops and amens. Oh, not that many. Chill, chill out. Um, uh, yeah, uh, a couple of days ago, we were um, out in Brixton. And obviously, remember when everyone, you know, when I went for there was going to be some heresy, you quickly got up and said, let's pray for John. Um, uh, who was there? Who was there on Friday? I just want to say a thank you to you guys that turned out. Um, I know I felt really awkward. Um, I I'm sure you guys did a little bit too. Um, we put ourselves out there on Friday in a very kind of vulnerable place where lots and lots of people walking past um, and we were all kind of like, well, what are we doing? Um, and, but it was just, it was, it was just great. And, and from, from me especially, it was great to have you know, family members around me. I felt you know, very much comforted, very much stronger because of it. Um, and, it was, and it was, yeah, it was just great. We, um, we were handing out eggs Handing out these eggs, which, you know, you can't, you can't give away Easter eggs sometimes. Um, we're handing out eggs, and um, this one little girl came past, and she saw us, like, hey, do you want an egg? She grabbed you know, little hands. She's like this tall. Little hands, three eggs. <laughs> three eggs. And I was like, and I looked at the mum, like, hmm, you're going to tell her off. And her mum told her off, said, you haven't got big enough hands. You need, big, you need more eggs. And I was like, okay, I'm going to hand them out one by one now. Otherwise, it's going to be a short evening. Um I'm going to just quickly pray for this because um, because it's important that we, we pray. Father, I uh, thank you so much for uh, this day in which we remember uh, the risen King Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that this story um, is just the most magnificent story. And I pray, Father, that um, today we would all look at it afresh um, and see what it means for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, Easter Sunday is quite an, uh, an easy one um, in some respects to, to, to do the preach because the topic is defined. Now, if you're given you know, the choice to preach another time, you will just say, you know, Owen will be like, it kind of needs to be around this. And you're like, oh, my goodness, kind of needs to be around like in the Bible. And you're like, OK, I'll just pick something. And it's harder. But um, Easter Sunday is easy. And someone who will remain nameless said, oh, we're going to preach on the resurrection. It's Resurrection Sunday. So there's, there is a, it's obvious what I'm going to talk about today. Um, and it's difficult, um, to, it's difficult um, to try and find a fresh way to explain it and come up with something new. And, and I think there's something, and maybe it's just me, I want, to, I want to bring something fresh, you know. I don't want you to sit there and go, you know, I heard it before, I heard it before. So I've been looking at every angle, every angle of this story to come up with something not found anything. Um, so I'm just going to look at the story um, because the story speaks for itself. 
Um, and then I'm going to look at just two mistakes that we can make with the story um, and challenge us, hopefully, in not, to, not making those mistakes. Um, because I think that when we make those mistakes, um, in, in small measure maybe, but um, they can rob us of the significance, not just of the story, but what its implications are for our lives. Um, I love stories. Uh, we've been going over the last couple of weeks uh, uh, in the title, Him We Proclaim, and we've been going through um, the last bit of the story of Jesus, I guess. Um, just hearing Michael's story, like, how wonderful is that? And, you know, motorbikes with, I mean, I'm like, come on, guys, let's do this. That's what we need to do. Sarah, I'm getting a motorbike for the gospel. Um, you know, just what a wonderful story. I could sit there for hours just, like, listening to, like, like people's stories. I used to, um, my dad used to read Narnia to us as a kid, and I used to just be, like, in it. I was just in it. Um, and the problem is when you read Narnia before you go to bed, it's like pretty profound, right? So you're in bed and then you're like, oh, my goodness, I'm never going to get to sleep now. You know, and so read it in the morning, Dad. Um, but I, I just love stories. Uh, Sunday school, you know, I learned most of the Bible in Sunday school. There's some stories I've not looked at as an adult, but I know the story. And, you know, we did we did Jonah a couple of weeks ago. Um and no matter how much Owen tried to tell us it wasn't about a big fish, it's about a big fish. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's not, is it? <laughs> Take your anger to God. Yeah, I get it. Um, I listened. Um, no, just wonderful. But the Easter story is something special, right? The Easter story is something special. Um, and I'm just going to go through that story and, and just hopefully, like, just think about it afresh from a, you know, we've heard it so many times, but it's, it's good to kind of start it, uh, look at it afresh. Um, but first, I want my, my nephew to kind of give you um, a little insight that like he's going to do his job, you know, his, his best at explaining um, the Easter story. One thing, you know, he, the theology is a little bit off, but bear with him, he's getting there. The disciples' perspective, you know, because this is... Um, these are real people, real men. And so they're, they're young men. Um, they're called from their family. Lots of them called from their professions by this great teacher and asked to follow him. And so that was, that was normal in the day. You would follow a, a rabbi. Um, and they grew in love and respect for him. And he did and said some amazing things. Like, just think about it. You're going through your life. You're growing up. You're following this man who, you know, you see him as a good man. You see him as a good man. And then you start to see him as a great man. And then you start to see that he's different from other people. He starts to say things that are completely different, completely um, revelatory. Um, And then he did amazing things. And he was popular yet controversial. So imagine the mood in which you'd have been in. So you're starting to get a little bit of fame from this. You know, he's starting to be, there's been demand for his, you know, talking. Um, and so he, he, would, he would be asked to go places, but he was controversial. And there was people that didn't like what he was saying. And at one point, you have this revelation, as Peter did, that actually this, this man is the Messiah, this man is the one who we've read about. And then things start to get heated and there's, you know, the contra- uh, controversy starts to get um, worse and worse. And, and, and then it gets to Gethsemane. And this is where we started our story as a church. You see, there is, uh, 
there's lots of things that Jesus is saying. They're gonna, they're coming for me. You know, I'm, I'm gonna die, and and um, and that doesn't seem to make sense for them. You know, they, the, the disciples were, um, they were clever, but they they kept missing it. Right? Jesus dropped loads of hints. If you read over the New Testament, you read over the Gospels. Jesus is dropping hints all the time that he is destined to die. Yet. The expectation in them is that Jesus is going to, you know, he's the Messiah. So they put all of that um, Old Testament thinking, all of the Old Testament expectations on this man. And then Jesus is arrested. And, and Peter is so like, indignant about it. He tries to defend, you know, he tries to defend him. And Jesus is taken. And then we have the trial, which we've talked about, uh, talked over. And then at the, if you think about this story, at the, um, the climax, if you think about the narrative arc of this story, the climax is the crucifixion, the highest point of tension in this story. And uh, the cross is a place of despair, of failure, of abandonment, of brokenness, of hopelessness, complete hopelessness you think about where you've gone in your mind from from the expectation on jesus the the following of jesus and then it's gone and even even when he's on the cross you think maybe maybe there's a chance and yet they pierce his side as eli talked through and it proved that he was dead proved that all hope was gone you see, when you look at this as a story, the protagonist, the hero, had fallen, and the antagonist, from their perspective, the Romans, the Pharisees, had won. I want to ask, how did you spend, and Shrey, you mentioned this when you prayed, how did you spend yesterday? How did you spend yesterday? I, we've played a bit of swing ball. <laughs> I, um, I uh, did a bit of prep for this talk. But, the, you know, the days after Good Friday for the disciples would have been absolute despair, absolute despair. The hope, everything that they had hope in was gone. And think of the confusion that they'd have been going through. And, and you know, and, and, and Peter denies Jesus. But, you know, and we hold that against him. But you think, you know, can you blame him? Everything that he'd built, the foundations seemed to have just crumbled away. And then when you think about it in this, in this wonderful story, there's a pregnant pause. It's like poetic of a couple of days of absolute despair. But we're not focusing on that, Phil. You see, Sunday morning comes. These women go to the tomb and it's empty and he's not there. As Eli said, don't worry. He'll be back in a minute. He has risen. Jesus had risen from the dead. And then Jesus systematically, gently, lovingly reveals himself as alive to his nearest and dearest. He reconciles himself with Peter and cooks him breakfast. He proves himself to doubting Thomas by allowing him to touch the wounds. And then he shows himself to overflow. 500 people over a period of 40 days and then he commissions his disciples to go and spread the gospel and then he ascends to heaven what an emotional roller coaster 
over that period of time, you're like, you know, really, you kind of like are so happy, you just want to like, you, you just, you can't help yourself. You know when you watch old football videos where they, you know, they don't realise that the, you know, there's a camera on them and they celebrate in a way that just has no grace to it. They're just like, do you know what I mean? And now we've got cameras and they realise and they're like, yeah, because they don't, they don't want to give it away. But when you're so excited about something, you're just like, oh my goodness, Jesus is alive. Do you know what I mean? You'd be like, like all my, from this emotion to this emotion, you're like Jesus, don't do that, yeah. I thought all hope was gone. And, you, you, you know, the one thing that I thought could separate, the one thing that I thought could mean that all hope was gone, and you conquered it. I think about what you'd have been, you know, as a disciple, the promises that you thought were broken were still there. The hope comes flooding back. The significance of the cryptic words of Jesus that you kind of were like, oh, I don't really understand what you're saying, Jesus. It suddenly becomes clear the significance of the gospel, the significance of his death, the I am statements in John. I am this. I am this. I am this. OK, Jesus. No, no, no. I am God made flesh. The cross was not the failed plan. It was the plan. It wasn't, it wasn't kind of like a blip in the story. It was the purpose. And so all of that would have started to come together for Peter, who was just like, hold on a sec. This was more than just this. It was more than just a good man saying good things, being controversial. You see, the protagonist was not just the man, Jesus. The hero of the story of Easter is not just the man Jesus. It is God. It is the Son of God who came to take away the sins of the world. And the antagonist was not the Romans or the Pharisees who had supposedly won in the crucifixion. No, no, no. The antagonist that was destroyed on that day was death and sin. Death and sin. You see, the resurrection proved Jesus' divine power. He was God-made flesh, humble to the point of death and now exalted to the right hand of the Father. He has won the ultimate victory for us over our greatest enemy in order that we might be brought from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and have eternal life. Him we proclaim. Him we proclaim. What a story, eh? What a story. I mean, you know, Eli's caught in it. He gets, you know, he's like, and then the soldiers, they pushed him in the rocks. I don't know what that bit is, but <laughs> they whipped him, Eli. You know, but he's getting there, right? He's picking it up and he sees it as an amazing story. But hold on, let's pause for a second. Does it affect us as it should? Does it affect us as it should? We were talking yesterday and... Um, we were talking about how sometimes at church you can sing as if Jesus is still dead. This is how you sing when Jesus is still dead. We sing hallelujah, we sing hallelujah, the lamb has overcome. You know, what? <laughs> when we sing, and this is, you know, thankfully we're a church to sing, 
when we sing, we sing of a lamb that has overcome. You know, we're not we're not singing to a dead guy. We're not singing to a dead guy. That's weird. We're singing to an alive saviour. And so I wanted to look at just two things um, that I think will mean that sometimes we, we get it mixed up. And and as Christians, if you're a Christian here today, I think that um, we get these things, right? We get these things. And so I'm going to, these are obvious things, but I think they're a, a matter of measure in the sense that sometimes we can slowly move away and then therefore it reflects in the way that we worship, in the way that we kind of how we see God, and, uh, and it's good to just be realigned, to, to remind yourself to look at the story in the right way. Um, and so the first thing that will impact how we look at the story is, is um, how much we read of it, how much we read of it. Um, so my mum, right, when we were growing up, we used to watch movies together as a family, and my mum would inevitably fall asleep. Who's a sleeper? During films, do you know what? I used to get so annoyed. Now I've become a sleeper. I've become one of those people that are just like, yeah, let's watch a movie, and it's like five minutes in. Like... <laughs> and then what would happen is my, you know, my mum would wake up at the end, and then she'd be like, wasn't very good, was it? And I'm like, <laughs> you saw five minutes at the start, and then she, I'd be like, at what point do you remember? At what point she's like. Something like there was like words coming up on the screen. I mean, like, that's the opening credits. You haven't, you don't know what this film is. You don't know what's gone on in this film. You've taken this on a small portion of the film and you've kind of made a, an assumption about what it is. And, and for us, we need to remember, and this is why there is this huge shift in the story um, at the pregnant pause of the three days, but we need to remember it all. And not remember it all just today. We need to remember it all, all the time. Um, and there's reasons why we do this, I think. I think there's, there's a number of reasons. One is that we only, you know, we'll only preach about it once a year because it's got its own day, so let's keep it to its own day. Um, and so therefore, you know, potentially, we only ever really kind of expound upon the resurrection at one point in the year. Um, that's dangerous, I think. And I think there's a challenge in us to kind of go back to it. Um, the second is, it's, it's not the easy, it's not the most palatable bit of the story. You know, when you look at Jesus' lives and when, you know, when, you, when you're talking to people outside of the church context about Jesus, I find it very easy to talk about him um, kind of like saying, he who has the first, uh, the first thing, cast the first stone thing. You know, I find it very easy to say that. But then when they say, like, Jesus died, yeah, and he rose again. And everyone's like, you lost me. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's, it's less palatable. So, so there is a there is a uh, something in us that maybe wants to avoid that and wants to kind of move away from that. Um, but I also think there's another thing that we can do, and that is that the cross is so central. The cross is so significant. And do you know what, church? We you know we the cross is central to what we we believe, right? The cross where Jesus died, right? But but the cross is not the full story. And the cross only makes sense in the context of the resurrection. You see, Good Friday is only good because of Easter Sunday. Yeah. It's only good. Like, you see, if, if, if Jesus had just died, we'd, have st- we'd still be in what Sheree was talking about, that despair. That fact that, you know, and, and do you know what? It would, it would be um, kind of filed under 
the good guy story. Jesus would just be another good guy in history if he hadn't risen. You see, Paul says, if Jesus didn't raise, we are the most to be pitied. Why? Because he's still dead. And everything that comes with a a living saviour would be lost. Our hope for eternity, our victory over sin. You know, so when Jesus rose, it was it was to show the sufficiency of the sacrifice. He conquered sin and death. And we're able to claim that because we know the fullness of the story. So for whatever reason, um, let's make sure we don't miss the whole story. We don't like stop. And we don't, you know, we don't get to the end of it. and We don't have half this gospel, which we think is good news, but it's not good news. The good news is the whole story. And we need to make sure we do that. My, uh, again, my mum, she's really funny. Um, and she's wonderful, but she's really funny. So, she, you know those the crosses um, that people wear? If they've got a little Jesus on it, she hates it. She hates it. She's like, a little cross, and if it's got a Jesus on it, she's like, Jesus isn't on the cross. Jesus is alive. You know, there, there, is, a, there, is, a, um, there is a thing, there is a thought that we need to have that Jesus is not still on the cross. He's not still on the cross. He's not still in the tomb. He's at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for us now. Right now, he's interceding for me. Thank God. (laughs) Right? That's what we need to remember. So, first point is read it all. The second point is read it right. You see, there's a tendency when we're looking at old stories um, to kind of think of them as poetry or even even to the point of like fiction, you know. So um, when it comes to poetry and fiction, you can take stuff from it, right? You can take principles, you can take good stuff, good life lessons that are going to help you in kind of life, um, and you can take what you want from it. You know, there's plenty of poems out there and plenty of fictional books that you can go. There's something in that. There's something that teaches me something about my life, and it, that's why it applies to me. But that's not the way the Gospels were written. And I know we know this, but let's remind ourselves that the Gospels are written as documented historical fact. Documented historical fact. And there's loads of evidence to, to, to suggest that. Loads of evidence. Um, I once, when I was kind of, when I became a Christian, I was like, I better learn all my stuff. And I read books and books and listen to sermons about the evidence for the resurrection. Because, you know, that is where it lies. We were speaking to a a, a guy on Friday who who admitted himself. He said, "The, the, the truth of the resurrection is the foundation of the Christian faith. You know, that is, if if that is true, then everything else is true. And so if we read it right, we will know that it is true and we won't try and kind of um, dilute it down into some sort of tall tale or, or fiction. Um, you, one of the pieces of evidence is just the behaviour of the disciples after the resurrection. I don't know if you've um, been in kind of conversation with many people who like don't believe at all. But one of the things that they will say is, um, you know, over time, fiction can turn into fact for people. So imagine in 2000 years time, there's going to be like this religion and everyone kind of worships Harry Potter and it's turned and you and you're thinking to yourself, oh, yeah, I, I kind of uh, like I, I can see how that works because all they've got is this book and they've taken this book and they've gone, oh, yeah, this is like 
this maybe this is real, and maybe Harry Potter is like the Messiah or something. Um, and you think, okay, yeah, maybe. I, don't, I doubt it, but maybe that could be true. Um, but the reverse is all, also true. That something that starts as fact over a period of time can slowly start to feel like fiction. So one of the key things is to see how did people take it at the time that it happened. You see, what you see is the opposite is, is, is true of the gospel. You see, the disciples took it very, very seriously to the point of death. We take it very, very seriously to the point of kind of mild discomfort. <laughs> You see what I mean? So the, the, the dilution is, is happened from complete fact to we're starting to think, oh, maybe some will take bits of it or whatever. No, when we go back to when it actually happened, see, no one will come, no one in their right mind here will look at Harry Potter now in this day and go, oh, yeah, he's a Messiah. You just know that it's written as fiction. You see what I'm saying? At the time, they took it as complete fact because, as we heard, they were witnesses. When Peter got up in front of the, the, the crowds, he didn't go, we've got this book, and we kind of think, no, he said, we lived with Jesus. We mourned Jesus' death. And then we saw Jesus. And, and he appeared to some of you, didn't he? And, the, and they're like, yep, we saw him. He rose from the dead. And that is what, what drove this kind of mass expansion of Christianity. And you see in the early church, the earliest church, they had such a passion for it because they were witnesses of what happened. I love what Abby brought because um, I wasn't going to say this, but this is so true. You know, we are witnesses too because of the, the witness of the Holy Spirit in us. That's something that I wasn't going to say, but that is really profound. You know, the thing that will keep this true to us and it won't be, you know, fiction um, is, is the... the, the um, the witness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we need that as a church because then it will keep this story, you know, read right in the right genre. You know, let's not let's not move it. If you go to WH Smith's, they're slowly starting to move religious stuff into the fiction center. I don't know if you noticed that. I, I couldn't find a, a, any religious books. They've still got a religious section, but I mean, it's pretty whack. Um, but they're start, starting to move it there. We need to keep it and read it in the right genre because that is that is how it was written and that is what it is. Um, you read Acts, you read the early church, the people nearest to it believe the most. And that is a testament to the truth of it. Um, so you can legitimately think of the story as fact. Yeah. So you take one of those things, you get one of those things right. But you skip the end bit. It will. It won't affect your life. It won't affect your life. You take the story. You, yeah, Jesus was a real guy. He did all these things. But you take away the resurrection. It will not affect your life. It won't have any impact because, as we said, he's dead and he's just some guy who was like said some pretty outrageous things about himself that he didn't fulfil. The second is you could legitimately take the whole story. But think of it as fiction and, and, and take from it the little bits that you want and, um, and the things that you think will impact your life. But again, it won't impact your life. What we cannot do, you logically cannot do, is read the whole story as fact and not have it radically, radically change your life. The whole story, the fact that Jesus died and rose again, defeated death, as a true historical thing, event that happened, you cannot 
get away from that and have it not impact your life. You see, when you read it all and you read it right, it gets so serious. It just, you know, it just got serious. <laughs> it has such relevance to us because Jesus rising from the dead means that what Jesus said and did matters profoundly. It means that you can be reconciled to the living God, that you can have all of your sins forgiven, taken away, and you have a hope for eternal life. N.T. Wright says this, what we have at the moment isn't, as the old liturgies used to say, the sure and certain hope of the resurrection of the dead, but a vague and fuzzy optimism that somehow things may work out in the end. Christians, we have a sure and certain hope. I'm so glad Michael said that. You know, he's he's sure. It's not a vague, fuzzy optimism that we have of eternal life. It's a sure and certain hope. The Holy Spirit testifies to it. Jesus was the first fruits. The first fruits. He was the he showed us that it could it could be done. I want to conclude with this. If you're a Christian, I want to encourage you with the words of Paul to the Corinthians. If you ever want to know about the resurrection, there's 1 Corinthians 15 is a fantastic chapter where Paul basically um, expounds on um, the resurrection because people started to to doubt it. And he confirms um, the hope and assurance that we have. But he ends with this. And I think this is an encouragement to us. This is a charge to us. He says, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord uh, Knowing in the Lord your labour is not in vain. Be steadfast and immovable. Are we steadfast and immovable today, church? You know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. The things that you do for the kingdom is not in vain. The things that you sacrifice for the kingdom is not in vain. Because we have a hope. If you're not a Christian today, then I would encourage you to look at the Easter story. I would encourage you to read it all. I would encourage you to read it right. And you will see that it's not another story that gets put in amongst all of the different narratives of history. It is the overarching narrative of all history. It is with the protagonist, the God of creation, defeating our greatest enemy, the antagonist, death and sin. I'm going to pray. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly Father, when we look at your word and the truth in your word, there is power to change our lives. Father, I pray you would wake your church from any slumber that it might have when we look upon the resurrection. That we would look at it in its completion and that we would read it right. That we would know the power of the resurrection in our lives. Father, I thank you. That is a wonderful victory that you have won. I thank you, Lord God, that you conquered sin and death 
I thank you, Lord, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for everything that you have done. And we worship your name this Sunday. We remind ourselves of, of what you did in conquering death so that we, didn't, we don't need to fear it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you. Amen. Amen. If you'd like to stand with me, we're going to worship God a little bit more. Oh, no, we're not going to... You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.